Hi there, and welcome to Putting the Squid to Bed, a podcast about creative people and their craft. My name is Tim Lenko. I'm a writer and performer, and on this podcast, I interview creative people about why they create things and how they go about it. The show is named after an image that I have found so helpful. If you're anything like me, you know those moments when you've nearly finished a project, but then you find another touch you could add, another loose end to tie off, or another rough patch that needs ironing out. It's like trying to tuck a squid into bed. Just when you get two or three arms under the covers, another four or five have popped back out. Projects are rarely finished so much as they are surrendered. And that journey of discovery, creation, and surrender is what I ask my guests about. Hi there, and welcome to Putting the Squid to Bed. And I am very excited for this episode one to be sharing with you an artist that I have so, so enjoyed. Um, I saw him on tour this last year. He came through a venue that I was working at, and um, I was just so impressed by the energy that he had on stage, the quality of the people that he'd surrounded himself with. The band was incredible. The singers were mind-bending. And, um, and he was just the nicest guy as well. Uh, so he has written music for Rihanna and for Nick Lachey. He has opened for acts like Christina Aguilera and NSYNC. And he has, uh, has gone on this journey of recovering uh, music that some people have forgotten, but really, really must remember. I am so pleased to introduce you to Luke McMaster. Luke, welcome to the show. It is so good it's to have pleasure. you here. Your debut Absolutely. episode, I'm, I'm honored. And uh, my dad has a saying, uh, promise less, deliver more. And uh-huh. you, have set, you have set me up for <laughs> promising a whole, whole heck a of whole a lot, lot. but I'll try, to, uh, I'll try to live up to that introduction. <laughs> no, you deliver. So where in the world are uh-huh. you calling in from this morning? Hamilton. I live in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, for those that don't know, it's it's almost considered a suburb of Toronto. It's mm-hmm. about forty five minutes outside of Toronto. And um, what kind of season are you in as a recording artist, as a touring artist? What um, are you in a season of writing? Are you preparing for a tour? Are you in the middle of a tour? What kind of season are you in right now? Wow, you just teed this up so nicely. I am recording an album called Seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm in the season of seasons. Uh, I'm in studio writing mode, and we released our first track, uh, which we tested. I don't want to say we tested out, but we played it for the first time at your venue, yeah, uh, Moose, Moose Jaw yeah, Cultural Center, uh, Cherry Blossoms, which is the spring themed song. I, I'm doing. Four main tracks. They're probably it'll be an EP that'll probably have six or seven songs on it. But four of the main songs are very inspired by the Four Seasons, uh, not to be confused with the the old band, the Four Seasons, the band. but just the right. yeah, the actual the actual seasons. Um, and then I have this new song that I finished recording about a month ago, mixing it with my writing partner collaborator Aaron, who was also on tour with me uh, as my piano player. And it's called Some Summertime. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's like the first song, the Cherry Blossoms, was uh, was very melancholy. It was, I, I don't write a lot of songs like that because I'm so immersed in the Motown sound. 
mm-hmm. which are typically songs that are even if it's a heartbreaking lyric like um, the Supremes songs, um, they tend to make them up tempo or they did back in the day. Mm-hmm. And getting to work with Lamont Dozier and spending time with Smokey Robinson and stuff, I, I really they they really had they wanted to make people happy and smile and have yeah. people get along better at the time. There was a lot of racial tension and, and but everyone was dancing to those Motown songs. So I, I don't tend to do stuff that's like real heartbreaker very often, but yeah. it, um, I presented an idea, a concept to, to Aaron and to another guy that we love to write with. His name's Christopher Ward. He's a really great lyricist. He's written his, his, Biggest song I'd say is Black Velvet, the Atlanta Miles hit, but yeah. he's written a ton of other stuff. Um, and I, I, I was just like, I, I like the idea of Cherry Blossoms. It's very, you know, people love them, but they're not a lot around very long. They're, they're around for such a short time. And I mean, in Japan, they're actually there's celebrations around them and they're so revered. They're very ephemeral though, like I said, like it just, they're, they're here, so beautiful, then they're gone. But I feel like that makes people like like them even more and want to want to enjoy them and be in the moment with these flowers. And I just felt like that was a really good metaphor or analogy that we could maybe utilize for a song. And that, that was as far as I went with it. I just said, Hey, Christopher, what do you think of this as an idea? And like, I think it was the middle of the night. I, I happened to be in England at the time too, um, on a family vacation. So I, the time change and stuff. And I sent him this idea, just a, an, an email and, he sent back a lyric the next day, like just, it was a fully formed verse chorus. He hadn't written the second verse yet because he wanted to make sure that we liked the idea. And it was just such a beautiful lyric and it was so poetic and, and started putting it to music right away. There was a piano at the cottage we were staying at there in England. And, and, and that was, so that was really cool. But I was going to say now the next single, up tempo, really fun, summary, um, I actually can't wait for you to hear it. I think you're really you're really gonna love it. It's just I'm really it's just looking forward to it. A little more maybe radio friendly, I would say. Um, just mm-hmm. a fun song. We had we had a lot of fun, kind of lots of guitars and a great drum beat and stuff. So went back a little bit more to the the Motown tradition of just a really fun um, song that people can sing along to. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot of fun. The um, single is coming out late June, right? June 30th. Yeah. I actually tried to get it out on the 4th of July, but with uh, release schedules, it has to come out on a Friday. Um, we have a distribution channel through Virgin Records. Okay. Yeah. Um, Aaron and I actually started our own label called Deep Wave Records, which is distributed nice. by Virgin. And they have a very, <laughs> their protocol is like, I'm like, yeah, but I want the 4th of July. It would be so great. Like, right. It would just be such a nice kind of tie-in because it really feels so summery and like, mm-hmm. you know, so... Okay. But maybe well, next time. We'll have it out in time to enjoy it on the 4th of July. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Set it up. Yeah. Put it on your Excellent. playlist, your 4th of July playlists. In fact, maybe I'll yeah. make a 4th July, 4th of July Spotify playlist and like put some summertime on and a bunch of other songs. Excellent. People can play that yeah. for their barbecues. <laughs> yeah, They're going to have a good time. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So for you listeners, I would recommend going and finding Luke McMaster some summertime and pre-save it so that you have mm-hmm. it loaded and ready to stream um, as soon as it comes out. Yeah, I just got the pre-save link from the label, and I will be posting it on all my social media channels. I'll send it to you as well, Tim. Great. We can throw that in the show notes, right and that'll make it easy for people to find it. That'd be great. Cool. OK, 
okay, Luke, I would like to go back further in your story because one of the things I'm interested in is where creativity started for people and how it then developed into the practice that you have currently. So mm-hmm. for you, you grew up in Manitoba, Canada, a little city named Brandon. Um, and if I'm right, you're, if I remember right, you didn't grow up surrounded by a lot of musical influence or a lot of musical encouragement. Yeah. Um, I, small town, all my friends were more into hockey. None of my friends were musicians. Very, very, it was a very stereotypically Canadian town, which I loved. Yeah. But I was a black sheep, even in my, my own family, among my friends. Just by Um, virtue of being musical. Yeah, and I just had a different personality from anyone else I knew. Yeah. Like I was very just creative, always writing really, loved writing really funny stories. Like I'd get an English assignment and I would try and do something like just totally off the wall. And my, my teacher luckily was very open-minded and got a kick out of some of my creative writing. I didn't really have an outlet at that time because I started learning music a little later. I was always very, very creative and... Um, you know, but I, I didn't quite know where I was going to channel it when I was a little kid. And then, um, my dad came home with a bunch of vinyl that he'd gotten in Detroit. He, he was a university professor and he, he would do like sabbaticals in different, different cities all mm-hmm. over the world. Mm-hmm. And he came back with all this vinyl and, and it just blew me away. You know, mm-hmm. um, Smokey Robinson, the miracles, you know, temptations, four tops, Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, like it just totally just changed me, as like changed my life. Um, I couldn't stop listening to it. And then <clears throat> we'd always had a piano in the house, but I, I just didn't really, you know, my parents tried to get us into piano lessons and they'd try to teach me a song and how to sight read and, and I would just learn the song by ear, go and play it the wrong way, get in trouble get discouraged because it's just like I didn't like the music selection I didn't like getting trouble for for being creative you know and I was being felt like I was being punished for being creative Mm -hmm. uh and so but then all of a sudden that old piano I I was like oh maybe I'll dust it off and and I started just by ear learning a lot of Motown songs and and it was when I stumbled on a on Smokey Robinson mainly was when I really realized that I wanted to sing too because I just naturally, if I was singing along to the radio, I, I would sing in falsetto a lot. And mm-hmm. for listeners that maybe don't know, that's just like the, the higher range that a, that a guy or a girl can sing in. And it's a little more of a pointed sound. And it's just, it was something that I, it just was very natural for me to sing that way. But it felt funny because it felt like I was, well, at the time, I you know, you'd get made fun of for singing like a girl. And I hate that expression, but I, that's just what was what was thrown at me but then I hear this guy Smokey Robinson with his beautiful voice I'm like well maybe maybe it's not such a bad thing he seems to be making a living doing that and I love it and um and so that set me off too to start learning how to sing so I was kind of doing block chords and figuring out Smokey Robinson songs and all kinds of other songs and then it was just coming so quickly for me even though I didn't start till I was like 13 14 years old which you know, by a lot of musicians' standards, that's a little late in the game because even my my 
bandmate at the time, Rob James. I was, I was in the band McMaster and James. He had been growing, growing up in the, singing in the church choir since he was six years old. And I actually learned a lot from him. Um, but luckily I just had, it just was like a duck to water. And so, so yeah, I, you know, to answer your, your original question, like it was, it was a real lesson for me to just be yourself no matter what, you know, I think when you find who you really are, uh, it can often be a real battle to get there, but you're so much happier when you find that place. Um, well, and it sounds so. a lot like as you were discovering who you are and what resonated with you more, then you were really naturally motivated to develop the skills that meant you could actually express it. Yeah. Well, yeah, action. exactly. You know, you need to have, you need to have a vision of where you're going to to get there. And once you have that, um, it can, it can, um, expedite everything. And I think that is, you're right. I think that's kind of what happened with me too, where I just was like, Oh, okay. And then, <clears throat> you know, luckily I, I found out from a family friend that their daughter had gone to this music college in Winnipeg called mm -hmm. not a very creative name, professional musicians college. And it was just, <laughs> this is like a contemporary music college, very piecemeal kind of just like they would grab different mus local musicians. Hey, you're going to teach the jazz program. Hey, you, you're going to do the vocal program. And they were all great musicians, but, I mean, I had no idea what kind of like what their resumes were, if they even had any real formal music training, which didn't really matter. It was more just, it was like a crash course. It was only a, a two year course, music history, um, ear training, you know, learning how to, which I was great at because I'd always done that anyway, but you, you know, they'd play a note and you got to tell them what, what the intervals are and all that kind of stuff. And, and then, um, uh, some music production, there was a guitar, really good guitar program. The guitar teacher was incredible. And so I would sit in on some of those classes, which was really great for me. I learned so much from doing that. And, and, and then what ended up happening was when I moved to Winnipeg from Brandon and went to this college, of course, I, I started making friends at the college, met a couple guys that had this, uh, this apartment and they needed a roommate. Okay, great. And one of them happened to be a drummer. One of them happened to be a bass player. And so it was just like, well, we should start a band. And then they found out that I had all these songs I was writing and they didn't write songs. And they were just like, oh, well, okay, cool. <laughs> Excellent. So, Match uh, made in heaven. Uh, yeah, that I'm giving you a lot of my, my history here and you didn't ask for it, but I'm, I'm no, just rambling No, it's great. On, so. <laughs> it's great. Um, I'm interested in even going back a little further where you started writing songs. Do you remember the first mm. time you felt the impulse to actually create your own song yeah um it's it's a funny story but it and it's 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 hard to believe it but it's it's totally true i and this this was part of what really triggered the songwriting part of things so my dad had come home with these records i'd really started getting into motown but i was just learning other people's songs at that point and in a lot of the Motown classics which is a, was a really great foundation to start on but one night I had a dream and um, it was very vivid and it was very strange 
one of my friends, my school friends, who was a really wacky guy, <laughs> great sense of humor, strange dude, which is kind of why I liked him. And he was, we were driving around in a flatbed pickup truck and he was in the back and he put a piano in the back of this, this pickup truck um, on the bed of the pickup truck. And he was playing a song and he was singing it at the top of his lungs, just pounding the keys. Like, um, uh, who was the guy that sings great balls of fire? Jerry, uh, Jerry Lewis, no, Jerry Lee, oh, whatever his name is. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not coming back to me. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Doesn't matter. He, uh, yeah, so he's singing at the top of his lungs, and I'm just like, well, I woke up. I'm like, wow, it's such a weird dream. And then, but I'm like, it's a really good song. And I didn't recognize the song. And I'd never, that never happened to me before. Where I like dreamt something. I'm like, I don't know what song that is. Mm-hmm. And... I had a tape recorder uh, on my bedstand, actually, just that I would just use for like taking notes at school and dictating stuff. And so it just happened to be right there. So I just hit record and I, I kind of hummed this the melody. And there were there was fragmented lyrics, too, that I remembered from the dream. <laughs> and uh, and then the next morning I get up and remember that I like barely remembered I had the dream. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, that was Oh yeah, I recorded. So I wonder what that's like. Hit play, and I'm like, well, that actually is not a bad song. I, I don't think. mind that. I don't mind yeah. it. So I I kind of started finishing the lyrics to it, and very rough, like blocked out some chords. Like I was like, oh, yeah. If I these chords might go with that, and and uh, it that triggered something that just totally unleashed. I was like, wow, what a crazy thing. I can create like something out of nothing. Like is this, it just was so magical to me. And so that was it. Uh, I went and bought a guitar. I really started learning more about music. I got, a, I actually went and started getting vocal lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tracked down this, this, uh, this great vocal teacher actually in Brandon. Um, I think she was at maybe at the university and more, more because Brandon actually, the university had a jazz program which I wasn't as particularly interested in. Otherwise I would have gone there and maybe that would have kind of helped me get me going to music. But, um, she was a great teacher and she was also trained in opera too. So she really right away taught me how to breathe properly from the diaphragm and all that kind of stuff, stuff that I has held me in good stead to this day. Um, and, um, yeah. And just, I, so I started writing song after song after song, some good, some not so good it didn't matter. I was just having fun doing it, but I was very shy about it. And so I was able to keep it a complete secret from everyone I knew, including my whole family. And I had a room in the basement of our house and then there was a loose floorboard. I'm not even kidding. And I would, I would hide all the cassettes and all the lyric sheets, uh, in this loose floorboard and covered up because I was just really did not want anyone to see my, yeah. all these love songs I was writing. <laughs> Yeah. Especially not my bro- my three brothers who, you know, they Oh, they've never let you live it down. Them. No. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but wow. the ironically too, um <clears throat> and I think this is often the case. It's all in your head and when I finally started revealing this this uh new thing I was doing, um they were so into it. Like they heard a couple songs and they're like, "Wow, those are pretty good. Wow, you can actually sing." Like what the very after they got over the shock of it all 
they all really became advocates for me and um you know and it's yeah. it, it is a bit of a it is a bit of a thing to sit your parents down you're you're about to go to university and you're just like actually you know how you're planning like i was saying i was going to go into like um you know whatever it was uh, marketing or whatever um I'm, that's not that's not going to happen now i'm i'm going into music i'm going to to see what i can do and they knew i was really serious about it and they were just like yeah okay yeah you got something wow which is amazing like uh, thinking back on that I, it's not every yeah. parent i think is going to react that way i don't think they all they all do no every uh every parent's going to have a, a different reaction depending yeah. on what's going on in their life at that moment and depending on uh the kind of experience they've had with um with insecurity and uh, uh, you know economic stability in the past, and like because mm -hmm. they want the best for you, and yep. so it depends on what they're what they're able to see and and, and expect at that moment. Absolutely. What a gift that um, that they were excited about that and supportive. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a lot harder. I feel like I still would have done it. Mm. Um, that train was out of the station, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it would, it would suck to have to be battling that too. Like the, the music industry is enough of a battle on its own. Mm -hmm. You don't need, you don't need your message to other parents out there. You, you know, the last thing you need is, is, uh, your family standing in your way as well. Cause it's, yeah. you know, it's a tough industry. Um, but it's an important one and it's an industry that I don't know. I, Folks like you and a lot of the people I meet when I'm on tour, I think they do attribute a lot of value to it, but it, it not always. I feel like people don't know, don't don't always remember how. Like, what what's your what is your world like without music? Like, it's it's not even barely worth living. You know, you can't watch TV, you can't watch a movie, you can't you know, seeing a concert can can lift you out of out of depression. You know, it can. And, and certainly even performing for me can lift me out of anxiety and depression. Like when I, when I do a show, I, it's just like a magic pill because the, the, the energy that you feed off of with the audience. And I think that's something I got addicted to really early too, because I started performing very early on too. And, um, you know, once I got to Winnipeg and, and moved in with these, these two, these two guys and formed this band, it was just, it's like, all right, well, where are we going to play? you know and and uh it was really funny my mom actually had the idea she's like you know you should you should go play at schools which the, you could play at noon hours like go go there's how many schools are are in manitoba even or you just winnipeg area and then i was like oh there's like 40 50 schools what high schools junior high schools elementary you know and you she's like just make it somewhat educational you know <laughs> whether it was or not i remain you know still is up for debate <laughs> but I would call them and I just say, yeah, I have this educational concert I want to do. Like, it's like, I talk about getting into music and stuff. And it, it, it's, it's, it's funny thinking back. Cause I was to have the gall to say, like, I'm so like, what do I know? Like, I'm going to teach you guys about songwriting and being in music. And I've, I've hardly even done a show, but uh, you know, they, they, they brought me in and they, I'd go to like a, you know, this, the, the school, what do they call it? The school council or whatever. And they, they'd, mm -hmm. I'd sit down and I'd play a couple songs for them. And, you know, one out of five of the schools would hire me. And then, cool. and then the first school we ever played at was, I, I think it was a junior high and they had a beautiful 
auditorium for plays and, and, and assemblies and all that kind of stuff. And with a sound system. And, and so we, we went and played this, this auditorium and it was right before like boy bands and stuff mm-hmm. came, came back, like where, you know, like there's these waves of, of boy bands. And it's funny cause you know, even like when the Beatles and stuff came out, it was just like, there was this huge wave of like, and then the turtles came out and blah, 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 Rolling Stones. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, you get into like the the eighties and nineties and stuff, and there's like the in sync and the back or Backstreet Boys, in you know all this stuff. It was kind of like right in in the like uh, the tides kind of come down, but it's just yeah. gonna be coming back up. And yeah. so there were all these kids that were just, I think, just absolutely ripe for some a young pop band. Mm-hmm. And so we played a half hour set, and after the like the first song ended and they rushed the stage. They just absolutely lost their minds. Like <laughs> the teachers couldn't hold them back. My band members were just like, what? The? And just, they had to put them back in their seats. Like they just freaked out. I was thinking about that the other day. Like that really kind of like imprinted my brain that this, this is totally the right path for me. Like this, I can see, you know, like I said earlier, you need a vision of where you're going. Like, it, it, you couldn't have a stronger vision. I just, it was proof of concept, like right out of the gates. So I'm just like, well, okay. I mean, I think people are going to like what I'm doing. So, so inspiring. Yeah. And that was the, that was usually the reaction. Like it was usually just because they, they're getting out of school. You know, the music was, was okay, but it was more like, you know, we were, we were decent looking young guys and, and, and we were mm-hmm. playing love songs to like, a lot of young screaming girls and and boys and stuff and it just it was so fun and they they paid us too which was crazy too let us sell our cds incredible our our tapes at the time i didn't even have cds back then selling tapes but yeah yeah yeah. this really takes me back actually it's (laughs) no kidding no kidding it's so interesting to hear, like, to, to, to think about the, the journey that's charted even in just the, the chain of stories you've told now. Like, going from hiding your, uh, well, well, first of all, your first song actually coming to you in a dream. Like, your subconscious having to try and break through while you're, um, while you're asleep, while you're unguarded, uh, <laughs> so that your ego can't get in the way of like, no, 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 we don't do that because that's going to be risky. And so it breaks through this dream and then makes it into your waking world. And then you're hiding all your songs under a floorboard in your bedroom, getting to the point where you making the journey of courage, sharing first with your family, then with uh, people at college and these guys that you're um, uh, start a band with. And then at these schools, all of these steps of courage and vulnerability getting to the point where you actually feel this shift. Oh, people people might like what I have to share and then take a new plunge to share on a on a new level and try more. It's such a it's such a wild journey to to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's uh it, it was it was really fun and it was you know, I, I had a few lucky things happen, or I should say maybe fortuitous things. Like I just met people 
at the right time and was able to make up for a lot of lost time. You know, it's like I said, being 14 and not having ever really sung a note or really played anything before and just, but all of a sudden it's like, Oh, okay. Now like I live with musicians now. It's just 24 seven. All we yeah. do is listen to music and play music. And then after, after a couple of years, that band dissolved. We, we were on different paths and I, I ended up realizing I, I need someone to manage me or, or show me the next steps. And then I met this, uh, or I heard about this, the only real manager in town at the time in Winnipeg that I was, that felt like a fit for me. And he was doing big time stuff at the time was this guy, Chris Brooke Gaffney. And he was managing Chantel Kriviazic. He had co-written her first mm -hmm. album. I think it's, it was called what if God made me or the way God made me or something, something like that. But it, so and she was the biggest thing out of Winnipeg and since the guess who, right? So I, I was just like, I want to work with that guy. And, but I think you do kind of make your own luck too, because I aggressively went after this guy. Like I was phoning him all the time. He was always in LA when I'd call or he was avoiding my calls or something because he didn't know who the hell I was, but I kept calling. And then when he wouldn't return my calls, I went to his house and I taped a poster to his front door because I was playing at, I was playing at a cafe that was pretty close to where he lived. And this is back when there were phone books. So I was just able to look him up in the phone book. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, this is your address. So I'll just, I'll just go to your house and in the middle of the night and tape a poster there. And so he, he ended up, um, he finally called me when he got back from LA and he was kind of laughing. He goes, yeah, my wife, uh, she said you left a poster on my front door and that you're a good looking guy. <laughs> she, she, she's got a bit of a crush on you or whatever it was. And, and he's like, so yeah, yeah. Like I, I, you know, I, I like working with people that have, you know, that have uh, like some gall and some, some, some courage. And, and uh, he goes, that's person that you, no you need that to be a musician. So you've got that. No kidding. And so um, yeah. he goes, I'm going to be back. So I'll come, I'll try and come to the show. So I did this show in this cafe and I actually stacked it with people that had been at some of the schools. Like I put it out to the schools. I'm like, yeah, make sure you go to this, uh, this cafe. I'm going to be playing there, do an acoustic set. And so there was a lot of like kids there that were fans and, um, yes. and he ended up, so smart. he ended up showing up and he really liked it. He, and, you know, I think part of it was he was very taken with the reaction that he was seeing and, and he was just like, yeah, you know, okay, like this, I think I can work with this guy. So, but he needs, he needs to work on, on like, he needs to refine some of these songs he's writing. Cause I didn't really know what I was doing. Like songwriting, it, there's a real, obviously a real craft to it. And you can, you can get a certain distance on your own, just learning from what you're hearing. I'm a big believer in collaborate, collab, collaborating. And I feel like that's the, the next step to, to really developing. And, and he was just a genius songwriter. And so he had a studio downtown Winnipeg. Um, so all of a sudden I had full access to that studio and working with him and, and, and he, he had an idea for the, for the song called, uh, thank you. And, uh, we finished that song and, um, and eventually Rob James kind of came into the picture and then we really kind of polished the song and, and wrote a few other ones. And then, and then he had all these contacts, so he was able to send out this cassette tape 
this demo tape we put together and and then all of a sudden it's just like oh well we've got some interest from some record labels and and it was just it was really like really crazy when thinking back like just you know how many things yeah. have to fall into place and again like i said like i definitely you you know if you're aggressively going after your dream you know you're hedging your bets but still it takes some courage to to go out there yeah. and be prepared for lightning to strike yeah like is another image yeah yeah you know it's like um have the lightning rod kind of plugged into the battery exactly. ready to exactly <laughs> that same into the battery yeah that's fantastic maybe that's an so idea you can for, capture it maybe that's an idea for uh for tesla maybe they need to just have uh lightning lightning charging batteries. right yeah that can be the new charging station it can be a mobile <laughs> charging station put the lightning rod up on the top of the uh cars <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh man not that what could Gosh. go wrong <laughs> what indeed <laughs> Uh, I like that image though for even um I'd love to shift uh shift gears into the the brass tacks of your songwriting craft and um and and arranging and preparing for um preparing for tours uh and, and performances putting a show together putting an album together uh, but starting with putting a song together. Yep. If you were to if you were to look at your life and think about, okay, what does it look like for me to put up a lightning rod, mm -hmm. hook it up to the battery, so that I'm ready for creative projects, I'm ready for inspiration, which can be such a fleeting thing, uh, but I'm ready to actually make things. What does it look like for you to create a creative space and rhythm in your life? Um. <clears throat> Well, it's challenging. It wasn't challenging when I was single and living on my own because mm -hmm. I would just stay up all night anytime I felt like it, go down to the studio and stuff. So I think when you get busy with life, it it's challenging. You have to... You have to you have to attribute value to the creative process. You have to like yeah. really know that there's going to be a return on the investment, even if it's even if it's just a song that may or may not get finished or may or may not see the light of day. Just sitting down. There's a great book called um, "The War of Art," kind of a play on the mm -hmm. uh, the art of war. Um, book uh and it is kind of a battle like you have to really sit down and just force yourself to like okay i'm just gonna create i'm gonna give myself this time i know i have some bills to pay i know i have to do this and that and the other thing and i'm not always perfect at that but i you know it's something i have to do um i'm not i'm not the happiest person if i don't find an outlet for my for my creativity and um I think that's the case with, with, I think almost anybody, I think we're, I think people by nature are creative and it's just tapping into it and where, you know, where the creativity is being channeled. But I think it's funny cause I yeah. think people use the word creativity. I don't know if they, I almost feel like they, it's misused. It's, it's like, well, mm. great, a great doctor is creative. 
you know, a really great, a really great yeah. nurse or a great doctor or someone who runs a venue. Um, there's a lot of creativity to making it really a successful venue or, you know, and, and so, um, yeah. So artistic creatives, creativity is not the only type. Yeah. I, I don't have a monopoly on it. I don't think so. Um, and because I, I've, I've born and bred as a quote unquote creator, whenever I do anything, whenever, when I write someone an email, I like to make, I like to be as creative as possible. I take, I, I take a lot of pride in kind of like the prose that's being like, I get, I really love, I actually like writing anything, you know? Um, and mm -hmm. I, and then I'll reread and I'll go, Oh, cool. I like that. I like how I kind of phrased that. And it could be like a letter to, I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> the CRA or something. I don't know. One like of your just kids like teachers yeah. or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Uh, well, and I bet parenting, um, being in your family requires a lot of creativity as well. Communicating with your, your kids. That's such uh, a good point. Persuading them. Right. That is such a good point. Very, very astute, uh, observation for sure. Because, just to explain to a kid, it's a different language, right? So you, you have to find a really creative way to, like I get asked so many questions every day. And it's just like, well, why is, like, what's a good one? Even just the, the standard, like, why, why is the sky blue? Well, it's, it's hard to explain it in terms that a kid's going to grasp. Um, but there's creative ways to do it. And it, and that's, that's really fun too. It's just like finding a really, um, do you remember how you explained uh, it? <laughs> you may not. That's okay. Um, yeah, I started getting into kind of refraction and stuff and then I was just like, I, I think I had to bail on that one in oh, particular, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's like, Oh, I've lost uh, you now. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm trying to think of a good example actually, because every single day there's something and it's just like, um, uh -huh. you know, Absolutely. how does like, yeah, like sound, even just sound, like what is, how, how, how do my ears work? How do I hear things? And you're like, well, you know, it's, it's actually like their vibrations. There's their waves, you know, wave, the wave on the ocean. Like, you know, when we were up swimming, yeah, yeah. And that's carrying us along the wave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these waves, they carry those, they carry sound. And our ears are like, I'm like, you know, um, you know, when you had, you were, you were getting rain to collect in that pail the other day and you went, yeah, yeah. Well, your ears like that. It's collecting these sound waves. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. You know, you find these super yeah. creative stories to tell them. And, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a triumph if you get one really right. Cause you can get them really wrong too, where you're just like, you are no kidding. Yeah, now I've confused you. Uh, I might've actually just scared you a little bit. Like <laughs> what happens, you know, what, what does it mean to die? Oh, well, like, let's not. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, there's opportunities there for comfort or terror or terror. Yeah. Yeah. Equal parts. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in, in, in situated in this life of all this type, different types of creativity, artistic creativity is one that you highly prioritize. And as you, um, you found like the shifting weight of, of your priorities, like your family becoming such a big priority, can't stay awake all night in the studio anymore. 
what do you actually do to protect that time to prioritize your artistic creativity well when we bought our house or is it just a matter of so go go ahead or is it just a matter of well i'm just gonna do it i just have to do it yeah i mean choose your partner wisely i would say Um, my wife just knew she knew exactly what she was getting into and she's a huge fan of music and I knew exactly what I was getting into and, and, you know, she, she was a school teacher at the time, but getting very burned out. And I, I, I really encouraged her to, to just pursue her dream and really, you know, backed her up on that. And she's always reciprocated too, through the good and the bad times or the, you know, the challenging <laughs> times and the easy times or whatever. And, um, yeah, so, so, and we, we made sure to, to, uh, we, we have a house. We're lucky. We, we found a house that just is really well set up for a recording studio and, and a gym, a small gym, but just a, right. a really nice gym. And very, we went to great lengths to soundproof it locks on the doors and stuff. And it's just like, yeah. there's a red light on and the kids know not to bother you when you're, when you're in there and when you're working. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was really key. Um, and you know, like, and I, I, I actually love it when my kids come in and want to know what I'm, what I'm doing, which one in particular yeah. is very curious about it. And Marlo's like singing yeah. already and just like so interested in how songs are written. Talk about being creative to explain something, but it's just like, how do, how do you write a song? Like where do the yeah. ideas come from? And I'm like, well, you know, let's just like, I'll find, I'll just be like, let's, let's just, finish each other's sentences like let's play this game and i'll just start a sentence and get her to finish it and and you do these little stories and so it's like the classic kind of game and um you keep going back to the beginning and then the story evolves and each person is dictating and i'm like that's kind of like writing a song when you write a song with someone oh and it's a really great technique for teaching a kid the first step towards songwriting even an adult when i've done songwriting workshops and stuff i'm like well let's it could be someone that just wants to do it as a hobby and they're just like, I have no idea how to even begin to write a song. Like it's just so mysterious. Right. And I'm like, well, okay, well let's do this game. Right. Well, you did that. That's actually really creative. Like that, that's okay. Let's do the game again, but let's try and make things rhyme and wherever we can. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, it's like some story about some frog, but then all of a sudden the frog falls in love. And then like, how does like, what happens when, you know, the, <laughs> he wants to like mm-hmm. marry the frog, whatever it is. Like it, it turns into this whole story, and I was like, okay, well that's yeah. ridiculous, but we're just collaborating, right? Like, um, yeah, stretching those muscles yeah. of yeah, working together and generating something new. Yeah, and yeah. you know, um, and just judging by when you were introducing this podcast, so this is very much about the creative process. So which is one of my favorite com- topics of conversation. Um, I feel like I was also lucky that I, I, I got into, um, I dipped my toe, toes into like acting for a little while um, because a friend of mine was in improv and going to Second City. And I was living on King Street West, which was walking distance from like the original Second City um, you know, SCTV and all that kind of stuff where where a lot of those guys started. Mm -hmm. So uh, they had all these classes going. And so a friend of mine was like, yeah, 
he was actually a comedian and he's like, yeah, why don't you come just audit one of the classes and just check it out and see. So I sat in on this class and, and they, uh, they talked me into getting up and, and doing one of the scenes, like improvising a scene. And I just, I've never laughed harder in my life. It was just, <laughs> ab- it was so much fun. And yeah. it's just, I would recommend it to everyone in the, I feel like everyone in the world, it should be put into the school curriculum. Like it's just because it frees your mind and you just, you just go, oh my God, this applies to everything. I've been, I've been fighting with my little brother. We, we just can't seem to get along. You know, we're adults and every time we talk, we just run into these roadblocks. It's just like, no man, like that's, you know, and for whatever reason in improv, you get a, like they, they get you to do the first thing they do when you do a scene is they 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 pair you up with someone you may not even know this person and they're like okay you two live together um you know it's time for you to pay your rent and there's a couch there there's a chair there do a scene and you're like oh see the instinct the human instinct is to get up and you you instantly start arguing it's hilarious. Nine times out of ten, it's just people get up, like you son of a bitch. Our our rent's late. Well, how was I supposed to know? You you're the one who usually takes you know, and you start fighting, and then the scene just goes, well we're, we can't pay our rent. Well, I hate you. I hate you. And scene, terrible, you know. And so so the 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 um, the teacher would just inevitably be like, okay, just say yes to everything. Yeah, but. I wouldn't say yes. Who cares if you would? Just try it. Just start saying yes. So the person's like, our rent's due. Yeah, it is. Can't wait to pay it. What are you, insane? Why would you want to pay the rent? Oh, my God. I have so much money. I just won the lottery. What? We're rich. And then the scene just goes, right? So way better scene. (laughs) Ridiculous. But so the next day I get on the phone with my brother and he's like, he's like, yeah, I forget what he said. It was something kind of critical about like I'd sent him a song or something. And he was always like, he had, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, like exactly. I should write, I should use more, um, bagpipes in my music, you know, whatever he was suggesting. And, mm. and he's like, Oh, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know, I could try it. I'd have to put it through a filter and stuff. And that might be actually be really cool. And he's like, yeah, cool. Oh, awesome. And then we just had a, and I just kept kind of things we were talking about. I was like, yeah, just keep saying yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, it was such a life lesson because it's, I'm not saying you say yes to, to everything that doesn't make sense, but I think we just default to no way too often before we've given, opened up our minds to things. And we, you watch little kids and how they develop friendships and how it's just pure instinct. It's just like, you know, they don't, they're not, they're not, it's not linear thinking. It's just very kind of in the moment. And, and we forget that that's just kind of just totally driven out of us. That's just like, but right. the improv brought me back around to that. And, and it's fun even just talking to you about it because it just reminds me, it's like, yeah, yeah, I got to remind myself of that sometimes because it's just a way better way to live your life. And it's a way better to tap into creativity. And my super long winded point here too, is when you get into creative situations, like writing a song, there can be a tendency to fight for your idea to start pulling out the nose because it's not in line with what you had your preconceived notion for the song mm-hmm. idea. 
I'm writing cherry blossoms. No, it's got to be a, it's got to be a happy song about spring. It's just like, well, this is a heartbreaking lyric, and it's just like, hmm, that's unexpected, and I like you know just let it flow. And uh, yeah, so anyone that has any access to any kind of improv, whether you're a dentist, whether you're a podcaster or musician, do it. it even if you just did a few classes, it, it's a, it will totally change your life. I promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having done a little bit of improv as well, I second what you're saying. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised it's actually that you're saying so that you have done it before. That doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful. And it's one of those um, opportunities on top of that kind of, uh, you know, facilitating that, that kind of brave exploration and collaboration, also facing the, the falling flat on your face and figuring out, okay, how to pick yourself back up and keep going because some of the scenes just fail miserably and it, uh, you know, it, it could even feel unsalvageable, but it's all right. You end the scene, you start a different one entirely and you keep going. You, you just, you, you don't quit. And yeah. And some of the games they get you playing where there's a pointing game. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but you'd have to like say someone's name right away. It's like when you're first meeting everyone and these techniques to just go by instinct. You're not, you just can't think you've heard their name once, but you just bang. And if you get it wrong, it doesn't matter. And usually you end up getting it right surprisingly. And it's just, it's um, getting out of your own way. It is a big part of it. it. It's just such a big part of the creative process. And like right now I'm working on um, my, my other job is I produce a lot of uh, a lot of what you'd call production music, like music for film and TV, like just background music. Mm -hmm. And then also a lot of stuff called lo-fi, which are it's like these beats and it's instrumental music, but it's based off of a lot of hip hop kind of beats that have been kind of run through filters. They sound very, very kind of lo-fi for lack of a better word. And man, like I, mm -hmm. they're great for my creativity because there's no real parameters around them. You can use any instrument you want. It just has to, the only parameters are that it has to be underneath a bit of a, of a hip hop, like a beat. And it, and it has to have a certain distressed kind of sound. It can't sound too crisp and clean for lack of a, another better yeah. term, but um, sounds like a bit like it's coming through a radio or old yeah platform. yeah you yeah exactly exactly it has a lot of that element you're pulling out a lot of the top and bottom end a lot on a lot of the, the, the tracks if you're EQing it you're kind of just going like this a lot um, and um, but it's it's just like I used to really just tr beat an idea to death I'm just like no no I'm gonna fight for that even with myself not collaborating with anyone but then I'm just like now I, I it's so free-flowing I'm just like I, I might restart start and restart like a song will evolve i'll totally you know or i usually don't delete things but i'll just mute a whole track that i spent six hours on a piano part now nah, i try something else oh that's cool that's taking me in a whole other direction and i come back around to the piano i'm like oh actually if i edit it this way oh cool and it's just so free-flowing it's very improv it's just very like no it doesn't matter and not being precious, right? Like if you're, if you're getting out in your own way, if you're not too precious about creativity, but I think life too, it's just like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What are we fighting for here? Like, why am I so like, am I just trying to be, I just want to be right or what's the truth? 
you know, and the truth can be very, yeah, very loose too, right? It's just like okay, in any relationship, mm-hmm. it's just like, well, what's the truth of the matter here? Like, hmm, I think I'm just wanting to be right, <laughs> you know, like, right. and that just totally. that just creates resentment, and it it blocks up creativity, I think. So, big time, yeah. Big time, because yeah, we're trying to protect our own significance and, and our own security, rather than being curious and actually searching for something that's interesting or beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well put. Well put. Yeah. So I'm interested, um, because this attitude can be applied to both the initial uh, exploration of a first draft, like you're talking about this free flowing and discovering of what. Okay, what's what's here? What's what's to be discovered? And then after you've got something in place, coming back to it to get feedback from someone or even reflect on it yourself and then make uh, revisions and edits. Um, How do you approach that kind of return to a a sort of completed thing that you want to update and improve? How does that exploration and, and, um, and flowing feel for you? Uh, it, that is just such a timely and relevant question. I can't even tell you because before we were starting this podcast, um, I was getting a bunch of tracks together and, uh, EQing some stuff and mastering some stuff to send to my writing partner, Aaron, um, for feedback. We have Mm -hmm. a Google doc going and we, we have about 20 tracks to do. And we each get rough things going of 10 each, and then we send them to each other. And then we'll at some, sometimes take the other person's and finish that track or make notes about revisions. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, part of it is trust. If you're, if you, if you're in a collaborative relationship and you don't tr- fully respect or trust the person it can be tough so you got to choose wisely as i said earlier and um aaron and i have a high level of respect and and trust for each other and i've just seen him being right so many times about things that i was initially like i don't know man like why are we muting that i love that thing and she's like just mute it doesn't need it oh Um, and then it's just like, oh, so, so much better. You know, I can now, now I can hear that part or whatever, whatever the case is. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not, you're always a little precious about things. I hope he likes the 10 that I'm sending to him and, and doesn't, isn't like, yeah, that's that, that one, you got to start that one again. Like that's hopeful about that. There's a couple that I'm excited about. So for sure, you know, you're, you're, you know, you want your biases confirmed. I think that's another human nature thing, but I'm also kind of looking forward to it. I'm just like, I go into it going, yeah, there's, there's probably going to be a bunch of revisions and it's just going to be better for it. And it's going to be fun to carve these out together, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and he's the same way. So, so yeah, I just, I, you just, the more you more open your mind is you can always go back. You could always go back to the original idea. But why not explore it? Why not? Why leave stones unturned if they're just sitting there right in front of you? Um, and, 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 you know, um, I learned fairly early on in songwriting because I got to work with Chris Burt Gaffney, who 
is so talented and very very childlike in his approach to things where he just doesn't care what you think of him he has he just does not have any interest in impressing people he's super he's a really cool and popular person i think partly because of that because he's got this real kind of grit to him but he just he's just like I, I don't i don't know and so we'd be in the studio and he'd be like we'd be writing a song he's like okay okay i'm gonna go into the vocal booth just hit record and and he would just improvise you know getting back to the improvisation thing and it would just i'd be just laughing because it would be the, some of the stupidest hilarious things that he'd be singing and just but then there's genius in it and and i think in in songwriting situations like if you're scared to make a fool of yourself or you're scared about a bad idea then that's i think that's very dangerous territory to be in so so i actually started like going like let's keep a score sheet of bad ideas you know, like I, I, I started off like, okay, I want to try like doing, you know, the whole song is going to, I don't know, like every line is going to have the word pink in it or something, whatever it is. And it's like here, and I put a check mark down and, um, and I just like put people at ease and just go, no, like that, that's, it's a good, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because you'll all of a sudden that's come like a bad idea, seemingly bad idea could end up being what makes the song stand out um and be special as opposed to just like oh let's just homogenize the whole thing let's play it safe and do what we think everyone's just gonna love every single time and it's like okay well let's just let's just see like you know um right. and when you're more yeah, relaxed let's remove all yeah. the interest and in, mm -hmm. so that there's just dopamine yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well put right yeah and the whole idea of like insulating yourself from the risk mm -hmm. means that you're then insulating yourself from all the discovery, all those bits and pieces that you might find you would never, you would never find if you're, um, yeah, guarding yourself, uh, protecting yourself from any risk. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a tightrope walk, right? Like, it's just like, okay, like, um, and and any yeah like a lot of the songs that i've had that have that that seem to get some attention are maybe a little have come out of a little more left field it's let's especially like um like the 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 one song that like my my biggest artist that ever recorded one of my songs was rihanna and the reason that they gravitated towards this song was that it was just so different from anything that they had been considering for this album like and it was like i wrote it almost like with simon and garfunkel kind of in mind just this very um medieval sounding kind of like scarborough fair like and and caught their ear they're like, wow that's different so and and then again like some summertime like it's not we're not exactly reinventing the wheel with the song it's more in the spirit of soul motown pop of just like okay like it's it's got some reggae interest um kind of yeah. uh influences in the in some of the melodies and the verses and stuff uh it kind of reminded me a little bit of you remember snow um 
I used to love some of his songs, uh, Everyone Wants to Be Like You, and he, you know, it just, it, it had a bit of that, and it was just like, oh, let's have fun with this. Like, we had so much fun writing it, and it was, it was, it was awesome. That's and we so just, great. We, uh, use it, we used a wah guitar, which was really fun, is the, the main hook is, is, with, is through this wah pedal. Um, super catchy, I just love it. And uh, when I remember playing it for, actually my kids and they just, they were singing along to the guitar part. And I was just like, Oh, that's, that's a good sign. Like, Oh, I like that. What is that sound? <laughs> it's a wah. Uh, oh, that's okay. That's uh, a guitar. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, I got to say that I'm very excited to be singing along with that guitar uh, as well when it's June 30th yeah. when some summertime comes out. Right. That's right. Yeah. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. I have so enjoyed this conversation. Well, you're, um, it's inspiring talking to you. Um, it was just so nice to be working with you at the venue and now this podcast and stuff. And, you know, creative people need encouragement and they need to be mm -hmm. able to, um, talk about this stuff and remind themselves of some of these, these truths that we can easily forget. You know, and these these lessons that we Absolutely. can easily forget. So I, I I like talking to folks like you that are also really creative and just curious and stuff. And just it it helps remind me of some of my own life lessons that we can lose track of. So I thank you for that. Yeah, totally. Well, and it's mutual because it, listening to you talk about your creative curiosity and the courage that you've um, ventured out with has called out the courage that's in me that that needs some encouragement yeah. so it's mutual thank you very much no uh anytime anytime awesome yeah luke where can people find you online i'm assuming you're on instagram yeah it's just uh luke mcmaster uh and then Excellent. facebook is a little trickier but not too tricky uh luke mcmaster music Okay. And then all my, <laughs> and all my other, classic. all my other social media is just my name, Luke McMaster. So, uh, it was just the okay. Facebook one that got a little fancy. Awesome. Excellent. And the new, uh, the new project is seasons. Cherry blossoms is already out. Yep. Some summertime is coming out right around the corner. Yep. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll look forward to, to, you know, uh, seeing what you think of it and sharing, sharing the music. It's all music's meant to be shared. Uh, my friends yeah. uh, Lamont Dozier and Smokey Robinson is just like they really taught me, you know, like just sh you, it's meant to be shared with everybody. Um, and I'm so appreciative when people allow me to share my music with them, whether it's live or whether it's releasing a new song and opening up their hearts, opening up their ears and and uh, yeah, inspiring us to keep being creative. Well, there are a lot of us that are incredibly happy that you share your music with us. Oh. So thank you very much yeah, for that. No, thanks. Thanks, Tim. Awesome. Okay, we'll do this again. Yeah. And for the rest of you listeners, uh, come back in two weeks' time, and we'll have another really good conversation about creativity and another creative person's craft. I'll be tuning in. Absolutely. Thank you. This has been uh, Putting the Squid to Bed. <laughs> <laughs>